Man, it's good to see you guys. How you doing? Good, good. Well, uh, I'm excited to be here tonight. Uh, welcome to Genesis. We are in week three of our series, Fresh, and it's going to be a good night. Uh, did you guys enjoy the pizza? Yeah, all right. Yeah, pizza's always great. Uh, tonight's also a special night because it's Hunter Lee's birthday, so shout out to Hunter. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, uh, no, 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 we're not going to do that to him. It's one of the most awkward things in the world to have someone sing happy birthday to you. So uh, I'll just tell you, happy birthday. So we're glad you're here. And uh, thank you for sharing your birthday with us. That's, uh, he's 20 years old, 20 years old, so no longer a teenager. So, so uh, tonight we're continuing our series, Fresh, uh, which is discussing some of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but more importantly, we're talking about uh, seeking after the giver of that fruit, which is the Holy Spirit. And so tonight we're going to be talking about something that we don't see much of in our world today, and that's peace. So we're talking about, talking about peace tonight, and uh, peace is a word that we hear a lot, right? So we see it in a lot of different contexts. Uh, maybe you see it uh, Maybe you see it in pictures, like the peace sign. Like people do like that two-finger thing in pictures. I don't know why people do that. I've done it before. I'm guilty of doing that in a picture. Uh, so uh, that's, that's one use of the word peace, I guess. We also hear it maybe if you watch the Miss USA pageant, right? So they say, if you could, if you could have uh, anything, what would it be? And what do they say? World peace, right? Okay, so maybe you also know somebody or maybe you use it instead of saying goodbye, you say peace, right? So we hear it a lot, right? But with that uh, comes uh, just it kind of getting watered down. It kind of gets a little convoluted, right? Because of how often it gets used. And I feel like it's hard to define because frankly, we don't, we don't get to experience much of it these days, right? So externally, we know that the, the world, there, in the world, there is so much violence and so much war and, and all these different things going on. We have, a, we have a thing going on with Syria right now that you guys have probably heard about, like all this political unrest and all these things going on where externally, there's not a whole lot of peace. And then internally, we're a mess, Right? We know that we're a mess. We're a head case. We, we have these, you know, we, we worry all the time. We have all these issues in our life, right? So we don't get to see much of peace. It doesn't exactly grow on trees in our life. It's hard to come by. But the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit is that they were all personified in Jesus. And so the, the beauty of it is that the fruits of the Spirit are not something that we do or an attribute that we possess, but instead a result of a person that we seek. And so that's what I hope for us to see tonight, that by the end of tonight, I want us to see that peace is not a place, a good vibe, or a mindset, or an emotion, but instead, a person. So if you would, turn with me to uh, Mark 4. We're going to find our story for tonight. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, to get us up to the speed, at this point, uh, in the point, uh, at this point in the life of Jesus, uh, he's been doing the three Ps, which I talk about a lot. Uh, he's been preaching prophesying and performing miracles. And in this chapter, we are given a, a certain day where he's been preaching a lot. He's been preaching all day heavily in parables. Uh, and a lot of these parables would actually become some of his most famous, namely uh, the parable of the sower, which are like the types of seeds that you hear about. Uh, also the, the parable about the man putting his lamp under a basket. Uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You guys know what I'm talking about. And the parable of the mustard seed, okay? So he's been preaching in all these parables. And then at the end of the day, around evening time, we see our story for tonight begin. So if you would, uh, this is Mark 4, 35 through 36. This is what it says. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. So 
Jesus, like I said, he's been preaching all day and around closing time, he, uh, around evening time, he says to his disciples, hey, let's cross the sea and let's go to the other side. And so this was actually the, the Sea of Galilee, which was the, the body of water that he would later walk upon. Okay, so he said, let's get in the boat. Let's go across to the other sea or go across the other side of the sea. And, uh, and you got to think about it, though. He, he said this is around evening time. And so has anyone ever had a long day? Like, raise your hand. You've had a long day. Yeah, I've had a long day. I've had a long day today, right? So we've had long days, and we know how that can be. And so they've been out following Jesus all day, listening to him speak, watching him do ministry. And then around closing time, around time where where usually you'd go home, what does he say? All right, pack it up, boys. Get in the boat. We're going across the water. Now, like I said, these guys have had a long day, and so they're like, okay, if you say so, Jesus, let's get in the boat and let's go, right? So off they went, and some other boats actually even joined along with them. And so if you can imagine, there are multiple boats pulling off or, or shoving off the shore into the Sea of Galilee to cross to the other side. And so the people in the boats, they'd had a long day. They were likely tired, but off they went nonetheless. And so it's interesting to think we're following Jesus can take us. And so let's keep reading and see what happens. This is Mark 4, 37 through 38. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So we see that uh, this great storm arise. I actually did a little research, and because of the, the geographic location of the Sea of Galilee, it is prone to storms coming out of nowhere. And so they get a lot of wind, and so this, this storm breaks out. There's this really bad storm on the water, and, and all of a sudden the waves of the sea start growing bigger and bigger, and then they start breaking into the boat, and the boat starts filling with water, and they're looking around like, hey, we're going to need a bigger boat. Name that movie. Awesome. So I don't even know movies, but I know that quote. And so remember, there are other boats on the, uh, on the sea as well in this storm. And so surely they are struggling too. And so this is about to be a tragic event. They're in the middle of the sea. The waves are big. They're crashing into the boat and the boats are going down and they can't reach shore. So what did they do? They looked to Jesus. Well, that's a good idea, right? All right, Jesus, Jesus can help us. And so they look at Jesus is asleep. What's he doing over there asleep? He can't be asleep. He's supposed to help us, right? So Jesus is over there asleep on the stern in the back of the boat. And uh, I love this because any moment that you can see the, the humanity of Jesus get displayed is cool to me. Because Jesus, Jesus has had a long day too. Like we know that, that Jesus was a man. We know that he came as a man. But anytime you see something like this happen, it starts to make a little bit more sense. You start to see it clearer. So Jesus is on the back of the boat. He's asleep. He's had a long day too. And we, and we know that he must have been sleeping pretty well because he was asleep on a rocking boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of rain and shouting people. Like that's deep sleep, right? So Jesus is back there taking a nap while all the disciples are, are, are panicking about the storm. And so the disciples get to him and they wake him up and they say, Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we're about to die? Do you not see this storm? Do you not, do you not see these waves? Do you not see what's happening? Are you not getting splashed in the face by the waves that are coming in this boat? How can you be sleeping? Do something. Maybe you've asked Jesus similar questions. Let's keep reading and see what Jesus does. This is Mark uh, 39 through 41. It says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? 
have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we see that Jesus wakes up and then in all of his authority and and power, he hushes the wind and the waves. And how does he do it? Does he sit around and think, man, I wonder if I have what it takes to calm the storm. Or if I wonder, I wonder if I'm doing it the best way. No, he instead, he gets up and with confidence and without hesitation, he says, peace, be still. And the waves die and the wind calms. And then he looks to his disciples and he says, now, now tell me again why you were so scared. Did you forget who was on this boat with you? Did you leave your faith somewhere on the shore? Or did you just forget that I was here when you started staring at the waves? And so at this point, I can imagine the disciples, it says that they were filled with great fear. And what I love about that verse is that it didn't say specifically that they were filled with great fear until after the water was calm and the wind died. They weren't filled with great fear until after the panic had passed, until after the storm had stopped, until after Jesus had, had, had stopped it. And I, and I love that because what, what does that mean? Well, it means that they just had an experience with something that was greater than creation. That they just had an experience with something that was greater than what they knew. The power of Jesus terrified them more than the power of the storm. And so they just had an encounter with something greater than creation, and they look at one another and they say, okay, so, so even the wind and the sea obey this guy. So even all that stuff that's not in our control is controlled by him. And I'm sure the, the fishermen that were, or the disciples that were fishermen got a kick out of this. Their whole career was defined by that body of water. And all of a sudden, the one who has control of it standing right in front of them. Could you imagine that? Now, I bet the, the next time they, got all, they all got on a boat together, they weren't so scared of storms. Because seeing God calm one storm makes you worry a little bit less about the next one, right? Now, I would argue that, uh, that you and I have a lot in common with those disciples, right? So we have maybe pushed the boat of our life off the shore, following after Jesus, and in the middle of what would seem amazing, we find ourselves caught in a storm of worry, or caught in a storm of depression, or a storm of anxiety, or a storm of failure, or a storm of disappointment. And peace seems like the farthest thing from us. When, when Emily and I, when we first got married, we, we were both still interns at our, at our, jo- at our respective jobs. And we didn't, we didn't make a ton of money. And there was a lot of times we weren't really sure how we were going to make it. And it was one of those things where, just to, just to kind of give you an idea of what it was like, okay? Uh, Jake, who's here tonight, he, um, what we used to, me and him, he probably doesn't remember this. This is, you want to know how bad it was. This will, this will explain to you how bad it was. Um, me and Jake used to eat lunch together at CSU, or not lunch, uh, breakfast together at CSU every morning. And me and him and a group of guys. And uh, when I graduated, they were so, still all in school. And so they still got to eat breakfast together when I was no longer there. And so after a few months after I graduated, and when I were married, uh, not, you know, you know, just kind of, kind of on the struggle bus, you know what I mean? And, uh, and Jake was like, Hey, you should come eat breakfast with us tomorrow. And I said, well, I, I don't have a meal plan anymore. Cause I don't go to school there anymore. 
And he was like, oh, it's like $4. And I was like, that's, that's the problem. It's $4. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty bad, right? But, what I, but, but the, the, the silver lining around that is during that time, God provided for us in ways that we could never really explain. I mean, getting checks in the mail, refund checks, or our parents blessing us and getting us groceries and, and things like that that, that, was, that our parents and, and, those, and those ways that God provided, that was his way of calming that storm. We still tithed. We still honored God with our finances. We still made these steps to, to make sure that, you know, like we were taking, you know, had our bases covered. We never missed a bill. And that's, that, that's impossible without the grace of God. I mean, that's a storm that, that not many people, you know, like not many people want to be there, but God comes through in those situations. And now fast forward, you know, it's not exactly like that anymore, but it's like, because we made it through that storm, because we know Jesus provided peace in that storm, we don't fear the storms that we face now as much because of what we've seen him do. And so those disciples, they were on the boat and they were seeing that storm rage around them and the immediate problem in front of them was the wind, the waves, and the water, right? The wind, the waves, and the water. But the disciples' root fear was not the storm. It was death. And you see that in what they say to Jesus. They wake him up and they don't say, Jesus, look at the storm. No, they say, do you not care that we're dying? And I think a lot can be said about, about us in that situation as well. See, Jesus did not just calm the waves of the sea. He calmed the waves of their heart. And the same goes with us. That we have immediate worry that steals our peace, right? On any given day, your thoughts probably sound something like this. I got to study for this test. I got to make sure this bill is paid. I got to call grandma. I got to make sure my mom's not mad at me. Wait, I want, you know, I wonder if she likes me. Wait, it's whose birthday again? All right, I got to make sure my oil gets changed. I got to sleep. I got to eat. I got to do my homework. That sound familiar? Those are all immediate peace stealers, surface level peace stealers that we all face, but we all know that those questions and those concerns, those aren't the real issue. The real issue is much deeper than that. Behind those questions are, are questions that are much deeper like this. Do I have what it takes? What if I don't graduate? What if I never find somebody? What if I can't find a job? What if I've done too much? What if I haven't done enough? Is my life going to work out? You're not concerned about the wind and the waves. You're not concerned about the storm. You're worried about dying at sea. And so just like that storm, most of those things are out of our control and com- completely. And so what do we do? Just like the disciples, we call out to Jesus. Jesus, do you not care that I'm struggling? Do you not feel this boat rocking? Do you not see this storm? Do you not care about what I'm walking through? You're on this boat. Do something. And when we do, what does he say? Peace. Be still. Don't forget I'm on this boat with you. He doesn't just want to calm the waves of the sea. He wants to calm the waves of your heart. And peace isn't something that you just stumble upon. It's a result of seeking the personification of peace, and that's Jesus. The book of Isaiah calls Christ the Prince of Peace for a reason. It's because he owns it. Peace goes where he sends it. 
and all those problems that you're facing, all those situations that seem hopeless, all those questions that go unanswered, those are waves subject to the authority of Christ. And when you receive that peace that he offers, you may feel just like the disciples did. Like, oh my gosh, I just had an experience with something greater than creation or greater than my problems or greater than just what I see. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this that has authority over my relationships, over my education, over my finances? Who is this that has authority over these things? So let me say this. Just because Jesus is in your life doesn't mean there won't be storms. But it also means that when there are, you've got the Prince of Peace sitting in the boat with you. And don't forget he's there because you're too busy staring at the waves. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And as they make their way up, don't get distracted. When Jesus was born, when he came to earth, he was born into a world of unrest. He was born into a world that was not at peace with their salvation. He was born into a world that, where, where sin was present and there was a system that was anything but peaceful. There was a system that said, I got to obey this law. I got to do this ritual. I got to do this. I can't do that. I got to honor this feast. I got to make sure I follow all these laws. The storm of sin was too much for us to handle. It was out of our control. But Christ came and he lived his perfect life and he fulfilled that system. And when he hung on a cross, dying a death that we deserve to die, he said confidently and without hesitation, it is finished. Peace be still to sin. And the temple veil was torn and mankind had access to God once again. And then Jesus didn't stay dead. And three days later, he rose from the dead to defeat death, hell, and the grave for good. And so the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, what did it do? It brought peace. Jesus calmed the waves of sin. That old system is no more. Other sacrifices, we don't need them anymore. Those rituals are no more. That feeling of not measuring up is no more. That feeling of self-righteousness, no more. We have access to God again. Jesus calmed the waves of sin. And now we get to sit in the calm sea of a secured eternal life. Jesus calmed the waves of your sin. He has the ability to calm the waves of your heart. So tonight, I ask you to stand up. Whatever it is that you're facing tonight, you need to know that the Prince of Peace is sitting in the boat with you. That even though there may be a storm around you, a storm that you don't understand, a storm that frustrates you, or a storm that confuses you, know that only one word from the Prince of Peace brings calm. It stops the wind. It stops the waves. And so tonight, I want to encourage you as we sing this, know that you have the Prince of Peace in your corner and he can bring peace to your situation. He can calm the ways of sin and he can calm the ways of your heart tonight.